All right, let's count up. All right. One, two, three. Oh, okay. I, I thought we were going after three because of the first thing. <laughs> so, sorry. I'll go How on do we run a channel? Right. How do we do that? <laughs> Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Filmhouse this week. Today, we're talking about the Lonely Island and looking at their filmography and their history. I'm joined by Adam, John, hey. and Ryan. Hey, everybody. Howdy. Lonely Island experts in the office. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess on a scale of 1 to 10, how big are you guys into the Lonely Island? What's your well, history? Well, I mean, they have such a vast filmography full of different eras. You know, the Saturday Night Live, like, what are we talking about? Are they specifically just, just their whole entire body of work? Huge we're fan. At specifically, the features. The features. Okay. Just for the big sake fan. of this podcast. Big fan. Big I'm fan. like John. Adam? I'm a big fan. Class. I was an early subscriber to their YouTube channel when they did their sports video. I was unaware they had any movies, so I'm very surprised to be here today. What are we talking about? Good what? stuff. Wait, well, are you you've serious? never heard of Lonely Island. <laughs> He's joking. Yeah. <laughs> if you've never heard of Lonely Island, they are comprised of three individuals: Andy Samberg. Akiva Schaefer and Dorma Takone, and they are three friends who met in junior high, moved to LA, struggled making short films, it's a tale as old as time, got discovered at the 2005 MTV Movie Awards when Jimmy Fallon recommended them to Lauren Michaels, they had been writing on the show, and instantly got hired to SNL, and then had a big breakout with all of their digital shorts, like Lazy Sunday, which got parodied by The Office, Mother Lover, Dick in a Box, <laughs> Jizz in My Pants, on a, I'm on a Boat, Jack Sparrow, uh, YOLO, I Just Had Sex. Those are some of the real the masters more, of their craft. Uh, yes. They're, they're masters of that Jizz short in My form. Pants, classic. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, they kind of skyrocketed that way and then have essentially made the transition to acting, producing, directing, and features. And for the sake of today, we're not going to look back at their sketch history as much as look at their features and see maybe there's in places where we'll obviously see that that's been okay. a relationship. But uh, we're going to go chronologically and kick it off with Hot Rod from 2007, uh, which I hadn't seen in a long time, uh, probably mm. since 2007. I rewatched it this week, though. Did you actually uh, see it in theaters, Elise? No. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't think I anyone did. Did you? No one really I don't did. think I, anyone I, did. No one I did. did. I did. What? I did, yes. Even in Memphis, I played at one theater, and I made sure to go see it, and it was awesome. Was, the, was there a lot of people there? Did everyone no, laugh? No, there was yeah. not a lot of people, but the people that were there were cracking up because they okay. get yeah. it, man. I, oh, yeah. I, watched this, <laughs> I watched it years after it had come out. It was back when I was still getting Netflix DVDs and uh, you know, watching those, and it was one of those movies that just sat there for a while. I, for the longest time, I couldn't stand Andy Samberg. I don't know what it was, if it was just like I was put off by his face, and I didn't think Dick in the Box was like the funniest thing ever, like everyone thought it was. I was like, this is just SNL trying to be like, hey, fellow kids. Uh, so like, mm -hmm. I was just turned off to the, the whole thing, and then I watched Hot Runs, like that was actually a really funny, heartwarming movie, and that was the moment I think it turned over for me, and I stopped being such a, such a dick about it. <laughs> yeah, if you've never seen Hot Rod, it's the story of Rod Kimball, hence the pun title, who is, he's a young guy that wants to be a stuntman because he's been told all his life that his dad is Evil Knievel's test rider. Um, <laughs> so it's not even Evil Knievel, it's Evil Knievel's test rider, which I think is a great joke, mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, dies a tragic death uh, in the stunt world. And so he wants to 
kind of like fulfill his memory, but he also really wants to prove a point to his stepdad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, which is uh, like, I think it's just, it's played, he's, he's played by Ian McShane, mm-hmm. which is also like a really crazy casting when you look back and you think Ian McShane played his stepdad in Hot Rod. Uh, and it's got like a great cast alongside it. Isla Fisher plays his love interest, Chris Parnell. Introduction uh, to Danny McBride for me. Danny McBride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Bill Hader's one of his his entourage, Sissy Spacek's his mom. Will Will for uh Will Arnett has like a great cameo as Isla Fisher's boyfriend that I love. Um but it's it's definitely a movie like most of their movies that did poorly at the box office. Even Ryan's ticket couldn't bolster its it's take. It did I saw it twice. Million. So. You saw it twice? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Did $14 million on a $25 million budget, but now people look at it like it's a cult classic, um, which it may have suffered because it came out in a year where it was a PG-13 movie and it was up against movies like Superbad, Knocked Up. It was this advent of the R-rated mm. comedy. And so it was, it was challenging trying to find footing with that new genre. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that they were... But now people love it. Oh. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is. It, it, I, I don't think people had really warmed to the Lonely Island guys yet, especially Andy Samberg, kind of like you were saying, uh, Adam, that it's kind of like, what are they like? What is this movie? Because it is full, like, just it's so absurd and it revels in it. And and mm-hmm. it, they halt the movie, uh, uh, you know, do some insane, absurd skit. And then it just comes back to normal. Like what? The whole uh, Cool Beans section. I remember uh-huh. watching that. We going like, what is happening right now? Like <laughs> when I first saw it and I could tell I could see that turning off, you know, people back in 2007. And then now there's I don't know. It seems like that's a whole cottage industry is just. Let's see how stupid and absurd we can make this sketch yeah. and see how, how many how ta- tangents it can go on. The whole forest dance scene, I think, is like when the movie clicked for me. Or when, oh, I get it. It is, it's, they don't take themselves too seriously. And Andy Samberg is aware that he's a doofus as opposed yeah. to, yeah. yeah I, I, for the, for the longest time, I thought it was basically, this was like an SNL movie that they're like, here's new Adam Sandler. And they were sort of trying to manufacture and, recreate the 90s like dream team that they had and it was it just if for whatever reason i got that vibe off of it but then the movie's a lot smarter than that and i it's uh you see that a lot more in their the other movies that they've worked and produced on but like this was sort of the beginnings of that which i i really like i it, actually, i do want to go back yeah. and rewatch it and because jess hasn't seen it yet so might watch it this weekend it was a little bit of an snl machination because you know Bill dreamweaver yeah. lorne michaels he kind of went to them and was like, you guys should make a movie. And mm-hmm. I think they were all taken aback a little bit, the Lonely Island guys. And we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, make make this movie. And the original script was written for Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. So really? they don't have a writing. Yeah, they don't have a writing credit on it. They left that uh, writing credit exclusive to Pam Brady, who worked on like South Park, Team America, Lady Dynamite. Um, they let her keep full credit, but they did do a, a rewrite pass on it to give it their voice because they were like, oh, well, there's no way we can make this movie and play it as Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. I don't know right. what happened, whether I think maybe Will Ferrell maybe like aged out of the role or something. It, kind of a Lauren super Michaels bad situation, like, right? Yeah. Even though Andy Samberg like does that. play, he plays a man child. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Uh, uh, something I really be- liked about Hot Rod, um, and I feel like it's kind of something that exists in their other works, um, which is that, like Ryan was saying, they're not afraid to just 
break the reality of the film itself, even though the film is taking place in you know its own reality, they can break out of that and do a completely off the wall thing. Like my my favorite sequence from that movie is when uh, Bill Hader is talking about how he got to the hospital or like, <laughs> like his night like taking LSD and like you know he's they do the whole thing where like he's floating around like he he like slides into camera and stuff and. It, I just remember that whole sequence just being hilarious and like, but it, but it, it totally breaks the mold in the reality of the movie. But they weren't afraid to yeah. do that. Where I feel like a lot of people are, um, you know, they have to they keep the movie in the reality of the film. It's very Monty Python and feeling like sketches and segments within a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're you know, and especially in the lo- level of silliness, like the why am I doing what, what way? Yeah. Uh, you know, where Andy Samberg's preparing his stunt and he just starts pronouncing every W with a what sound. It's like super silly and very Monty Python-esque. It's like, it's a very base joke. Yeah. That just kind of like gets tread in the ground. My favorite uh, joke in the movie is when uh, Isla Fisher storms off. She's with uh, Will Arnett, who's her boyfriend. And he's kind of this like big shot, very condescending to Andy Samberg and his friends. And she's, you know, they have a, an argument in his car. And so she gets out and she storms away. And then Will, Will Arnett doesn't go after her, but he just keeps screaming, you know, <laughs> no, don't go. And he just, he's just <laughs> screaming different iterations of it. And, and uh, she's not stopping, but he's not going, actually going after her. And it's so funny. And it goes on for just the right amount of time. It's brilliant. So good. Yeah. Um, I yeah. remember I actually watched Hot Rod for the first time. When I was on a trip uh, for work, but there were also interns. It was like this place where it wasn't a group of friends. It was a group of different people. Um, and we were all watching it. And it was very clear, like, that this was a movie for, a, like, you know, there's a specific sense of humor in people that like Hot Rod. And mm-hmm. I was with people that there were a number of people who didn't like it and didn't get it. But because we were in a foreign country, Ugh. there was nothing to do. Everyone was watching it, and I remember the scene um, where they're like marching to the uh, to the final the final stunt, and the music's playing, but then it turns into a riot. Like that was where <laughs> me and my friend were like on the floor laughing, but then the other people were just sitting there like, "I don't get this." And yeah, yeah it was just very polarizing experience like yeah it doesn't it doesn't present itself as an absurdist movie but you're yeah you hit the nail on the head at least like it it is like almost american monty python sometimes like i was talking about yeah. the forest scene he he falls down that mountain i was just re-watching right now it's like i think it's about a minute and a half he just it just keeps <laughs> and then there's like there's just like a long cut of a mountainside and then his body comes back and he just keeps oh. going and going and going it's such and a dumb there were joke. no dummies in the, in this movie that's a person yeah. Um, that's they. It's funny because people were like, "Oh yeah, you use dummies in the movie," and they were like, "No, those were all actual stuntmen." And one of them actually like broke his femur. Oh no! And, like it was. It was like oh. I think the first stunt that they did, and then he had to go to the hospital. <laughs> and they were like, "Oh uh, my god!" But then apparently the stuntman was like, "Did we get the shot?" Like he was being you know on the stretcher being wheeled into the uh, the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And to your point, John, I think a lot of people didn't get this movie and. It's unfortunate because these are the kind of movies that you watch it and you scratch your head when everyone around you is not getting it. And they, they find a life later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Akiva Schaefer, who directed it and is part of The Lonely Islands, he said, uh, you know, our dream for the movie was that it would be on a Sunday afternoon with commercial breaks and you'd have to watch it in that four by three pan and scan on your TV. <laughs> 
when it just becomes a little part of your life. Mm -hmm. I think for some people, especially after I got on Netflix, it became that. And that's what makes us happy about it now. And it's unfortunate because a a movie like that comes out and you think like, oh, these people should get every opportunity in the world. Uh, Not, you know, recognition five years from now. Mm -hmm. Right. I I think they're doing okay. Yeah, but, uh, I get though. Like that's that's a little worrisome, right? Like the, it's like you know this this big time TV producer took a bet on these internet kids. Where I mean, even today, that that still seems like a gamble, right? Like anytime you try to transition anyone from television to TV, it. I think Lonely Islands maybe the one of the only ones that's really worked. Um, Workaholics. Uh, it's yeah, always sunny. Kind of did that a little too. Yeah, not. Uh, really. We'll get to a little when we bit. talk about like Brigsby, Brigsby Bear, but um, I do think like um, Kyle. Uh, oh my gosh, Kyle, Kyle Mooney. Mooney. Yeah, good and, neighbor. Uh, good neighbor. Like they to me are like kind of Lonely Island 2.0, and yeah. I guess like Derek Comedy, Donald Glover uh-huh. is like yeah. the example out of Derek Comedy, but the, corporate the other guys, guys, Jake Wiseman and Matt Engelbretson. I don't know but it's know it's rare, and I do think that you're right. Like Lonely Island is the one that has kind of achieved the pinnacle of people don't even really associate them with the internet anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say that. though that that Hot Rod is, it, I don't love it. I think maybe as much as you, Elise. I, I do think it's great, but like oh, I, like I didn't don't love it. I love oh, it. Oh, okay. I thought you loved it. <laughs> oh no no no! I, I'll say I'll say after what I think, but please go on. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, to, to me, it's not their best uh, example of the, There's good bits in it is kind of my yeah. main take from the movie. But it's like as a whole, I don't know if it kind of, kind of works as a whole. To me, MacGruber, the next movie we'll probably talk about, is like a mwah, like like their their yeah. style with like actually uh, uh, structured well and, you know, totally delivered great. Whereas Hot Rod, I can see your average person, even that is into that kind of comedy, being like, all right, I like that scene. I didn't like that scene. That's kind of my overall take on Hot Rod. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is, it's, yeah. I get, it's an eight or nine out of ten, not a ten. Oh, freshman. So when I, when I a first, ten. Oh yes, when I first saw Hot Rod, I was like, okay, that like <laughs> I enjoyed that, and and I, and I didn't really love Lonely Island, like a little bit of an Adam's spot. So I was like, okay, like that was a fun movie, um, but I was never like, oh, this is. I mean, MacGruber right away, for me. Like you're saying, was a ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. But with Hot Rod, I've come to appreciate more. Like you're saying. Not the movie is in its entirety, but those isolated bits where then I've, you know, I've seen them reposted on Reddit or whatever through over the years. And I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I and then looking back, knowing now that that was kind of like Lauren Michaels pushing them to make a feature after they had been at SNL for like a year. Uh, I'm like, oh, that that was ambitious. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we should we should get to the cream of the crop because MacGruber also I we sh- I should specify when it comes to the Lonely Island features that I selected, I focus on the filmography where they they seem to have possessed like a good deal of creative control or they had a really prominent presence in the production. So like a movie like uh, The Watch, where I think just either Dorma Tacone or Akiva Schaefer directed it, not really going to talk about that because it, it's not really a Lonely Island. You know, there, are, there aren't that many arms part of that production mm-hmm. as there are on some of these other ones. So MacGruber is one of those where it's almost like a hybrid because the actual script is is written by Will Forte and then John Solomon, who's his like classic writing partner. And then Jorma Tacone from Lonely Island helped them write it. He directed it and Lorne Michaels produced it. So it's kind of like, you know, there's Lonely Island influence, but it's still very much like Will, a Will Forte influence. Hmm. 
So would you say then that the only true Lonely Island film is Hot Rod? Is it, no, I would say pop star is like I would the say quintessential. Pop star. Okay, oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. that I, I've, yeah, yeah. You're right. I, I had two. no idea. I had no idea. I I just don't. I only recognize uh, Andy Samberg's name typically when I see Lonely Island. I always Akiva and Jerm are like kind of more background guys. I know they they <laughs> do on camera stuff too, but like I they're not as front and center as Andy Samberg is. So I actually didn't know until right now that they worked on MacGruber. I was waiting what the big reveal was. That uh, <laughs> I was like, how is Lonely Island connected to McGruber? Did they do the soundtrack or something? And now, like, oh, I had no idea that he directed it. It makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Well, well it's a lot of yeah. Jorma Takone, but mm-hmm. I feel like we'd be remiss not to include this because McGruber is just such a fucking perfect movie. Mm-hmm. To me, uh, uh, Jorma is like, even though Andy's the face, Jorma to me is the main. Uh, if he's directed it, that's as much of a Lonely Island movie to me, in my, I guess, in my warped mind uh, of how I think of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you've yeah. never seen MacGruber, it came out in 2010 and it follows the American hero MacGruber, who has earned the rank of Green Beret, Navy SEAL and Army Ranger. Um, he's a special op whose fiance was killed and now he's seeking revenge against Dieter von Kunth, of course. Uh, the <laughs> his sworn enemy. Um, it <laughs> and MacGruber is like kind of the same thing as uh as Hot Rod, where it was made on a $10 million budget. And, you know, it had a 200000 uh, VFX budget, but it made no money. Yeah. And it, like, didn't yeah. push the needle at the time in terms of people saying, like, I love this movie. Um, but then later has become a huge classic through, like, cable and streaming. And critics have gone back, I've seen, and, like, actually rewritten their stance on MacGruber. <laughs> mm-hmm. they're, like, they're like, we did re- we did MacGruber wrong, and I fully agree. <laughs> it's important. It's like, a, it's like a word-of-mouth movie, too. I mean, that's how I discovered yeah. it. Was, I thought it was just based on that SNL sketch that I had never seen, but I thought it was just like a one-trick pony where they're making fun of MacGyver, and then I think James and Elise are like, no, no, MacGyver's actually, or MacGruber's funny. You should watch it. And, yeah, it's it's one of the funniest movies I've seen in the last 10 years. The cream yeah, rises to the cop. I think they described what? it. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, like, even if a movie has bad box office first opening weekend, you know, the good movies, people will f- discover them. And then you get, we're talking about them 10 years later, like they're fucking masterpieces. That's, yeah. that's all. And I think that was also a situation where Lorne Michaels was like, we should make this movie. And there had been, you know, 10 sketches in a Pepsi Super Bowl commercial. And everyone was kind of like, what? <laughs> um, you know, but Lorne Michaels, I guess he... You know, he knows what he's doing. A true visionary. Or not really. I mean, his, yeah. his movies don't make money notoriously. No. <laughs> you know? But they're called classics. Man, Pat, Stuart Smalley. I've seen <laughs> right. so many oh. SNL movies that are not great. <laughs> I forgot about Pat. They made a movie of Pat. <laughs> made a yeah, Pat. It's Pat the movie. That, that's always the joke I say that I want my Pat. Anytime Man. I do a character on Funhouse. A, a sort of okay <laughs> chuckle joke that they stretch out for like an hour and 45 minutes. Whereas MacGruber is, yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like it should have as much, as many legs. Because you're like, he's just kind of like MacGyver, but he's, I, I still haven't actually seen a single MacGruber sketch. I've only seen the movie. Oh, oh man, the sketches are oh, awesome. But I, I'm, sketches I'm, are, yeah, great. I'm guessing it's like, He's not the same. He's not exactly the same character because like MacGruber's such a hard R. It's he's so well, vulgar, which I and the, insane. 
the ske- the sketches are great because they follow such a strict formula. You know what's going to happen uh, <laughs> when they start, but it's just always funny. The punchline you got to see them in a row. They're really uh, oh yeah. I, okay. It's basically the beginning, to. the bookends of the movie is what a uh, MacGruber sketch is. Okay. I and still am I remembering it. right that like they would break them up on SNL? So like throughout the episode. They'd play. It would play in chunks. I want to say I that they get that killed one. at the end of every part, but then they'd still be alive. Maybe uh, I don't know. Spoiler <laughs> uh, alert: They die every time. Oh, it's okay. Oh. The the <laughs> casting for McGruber is super interesting because you've got like Kristen Wiig in it. Maya Rudolph was in it because she was always in the original McGruber sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like two very serious actors, or I guess not known for comedy, Ryan Felipe and Val Kilmer. Ryan Felipe plays sort of the I guess he's like the, I don't know what his title is in the movie, but his character is like also a, a soldier, you know, a decorated soldier who gets paired with MacGruber he looks on this up, mission. But he looks up to MacGruber. Like MacGruber is this like myth, yeah. that the, this like folklore that floats. I mean, and then also Powers Booth who's in it, who is like, I know he's a character actor. Oh but yeah, like, Powers Booth. Just the perfect, like not, not a single joke from like three of the actors who are in it, but they're funny the whole way through because they just, they play it straight and it's perfect. Yeah. Um, I think Seth Meyers like worked a little bit in writing it too. And he talked about how uh, Val Kilmer and Powers Booth would tell stories about working on Tombstone (laughs) together during the production, (laughs) Uh, which is like super silly and weird. But yeah, uh, as, as they tell it, Val Kilmer just kind of came in and cold red at the table read and blew everyone out of the water. Uh, of course. Which as, you know, as serious as he seems to take himself, I think it's really cool that he was down oh, yeah. to do this part. This is totally. his best role, in my opinion. Well, he's You think the grouper yeah. is best Val Kilmer? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, give me another one. He's the villain who's fed up with the idiot. He, he's like the only person who initially can see through MacGruber's BS. And he's sort of annoyed why no one else can. And he talks to him like a child. But then like (laughs) by the end of the movie, he sort of becomes what he didn't want to be, which is a it's like the villain that MacGruber saw him as. Uh, I was like, (laughs) he almost becomes like a parody of himself. But it, It takes it just it's almost like MacGruber is like a an abusive boyfriend or something. And he makes people into what he wants them to be. It, it MacGruber is not the hero is why I think I really like the movie. He is almost the villain every time. Uh, God. Yeah. They do a really good job of building out that story beyond just being the one note joke of the sketch. Yeah, mm. for real. And they, and then also structuring kind of like how hot rod just has like bits and segments within it. Like having stuff like the celery, the, uh, the, the license plate number. Oh my god! The van the blowing it, having just <laughs> yeah. all these like amazing comedic scenes. <laughs> and yes. the license plate, I guess, wasn't they didn't really figure that out until later what they wanted to do with that. Oh, huh. I like it. I like every time he goes anywhere, he takes his CD player out because he's worried someone yeah. will steal it from his Miata. <laughs> there's there's just enough ongoing dumb little jokes yeah. that they sprinkle through that like. It's just the, the the back-to-back sex scenes that they do that yes. <laughs> has ruined all action movie sex scenes. Yeah, God. it's so good. And I it's guess... It's just coming back um, to me, scene by scene. Oh, I, I'm sorry, John, you haven't seen it. I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. Oh, you yeah, sorry. It. I've been silent, but I, it's, no, it's you're fine. really selling me on it. <laughs> man, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to give away too many of the scenes, but like, yeah. God, it's... And it's... I think, I think the movie takes what? 
35, maybe 40 minutes before it really starts going because it, it, there's like a tonal shift in the movie and that's like when it really gets, it just, it sets itself up in a way and then the scene John, you already know happens. And then it, it, it's sort of MacGruber going in like, it's like him sort of like desperately, like, no, 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 give me a chance. I need to do this. <laughs> and it's just, he's such a sad character. He's pathetic. He's so I love Will Forte. Will Forte always goes in that, no, no, like that yeah. high pitched yeah, no. voice. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. He, he does it so often in this movie and he, and he flips on it too. I remember there's a part where he's like, just give me a chance. He goes, well, he goes, fuck you. And he's, I'm sorry. Like he just, <laughs> he just his reaction is just to yell, fuck you to everybody. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just really yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> it's just always oh, talks with his list yeah. and it's, you can't take him serious, but he, he's so good. Anyway. It's it's like the immediate like defensive reactionary flying off the handle and then apologize. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like meekly apologizing. God. One, anyway. John, would it sell, would it tell you more on it if I told you that Christopher Nolan is a huge MacGruber fan? Hey. A huge. That sounds pretty. What what did he have to say about it? Uh, well, he was invited to the upcoming table read of the series that's that's coming out soon. Oh, there's he a. Couldn't s- make it. Yeah. He based Tenet off of MacGruber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, MacGruber backwards <laughs> is MacGruber. Um, but he did. He sent them a really sweet. Uh, email and he said though I can't be there in person to watch you take the first step of your odyssey know that my spirit soars with you and whilst it's perhaps unfair to add to the great sense of responsibility you must already feel I am duty bound to tell you the world is waiting the world is watching (laughs) (laughs) wow I know I love that epic this episode of Filmhouse is brought to you by Mac Weldon I have been a fan of Mac Weldon for a very very long time I started the transition of trying to get all of my underwear to become Mack Weldon underwear uh, a couple years ago, and I am continuing that journey to this day. The best thing about Mack Weldon is they believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. The shopping experience is only a handful of clicks. I actually like going to their website to browse. They have more than just underwear, by the way. They have joggers, shirts, socks, Basically everything you could need to cover your entire body in Mack Weldon, which is what I want to do. I want want to be like one of those knights from the Dark Ages, only instead of armor, I'm covered in Mack Weldon. Why? Because Mack Weldon is the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear that are naturally antimicrobial, which basically means that even if you stink, they won't stink. Um, you should still take a shower and clean yourself and probably wash the underwear, but just in case you have a long day, by the end of it, you might stink, but your underwear absolutely will not. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it, and they will still refund you, no questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. I only wear Mack Weldon's when I work out. That sounds extreme. But I am telling you, I only wear Mack Weldon's when I work out. I've worn other kinds of underwear in the past, and they will bunch up when you're doing exercises, or they'll stick to you, or you'll feel disgusting afterwards. But with Mack Weldon's, I don't. I feel I feel fine. I feel ready to go about my day. I feel sorry for everyone who has to sit next to me and smell my armpits, but everything else feels really good. Also, just so you know, the folks over at Mack Weldon have created their own totally free loyalty program called Mack Weldon Blue 
I can't I need I need to figure out what level I am because level one gets you free shipping for life. And once you reach level two by spending $200, which I totally have, I'm going to have to check into this. Mac Weldon will start giving you 20% off every order for the next year. I mentioned earlier that I've been transitioning all of my underwear to Mac Weldon's for some time. <laughs> More recently, they introduced the Air Knit X style of underwear, and now I'm worried that I'm going to have to transition all of my standard Mack Weldon underwear to Air Knit X because I honestly don't feel comfortable in anything else. It's the best pair of underwear I've ever worn. I have purchased five pairs for myself in only the last few months, so they're totally worth it. I am a huge fan of this brand. I'm a huge fan of this underwear, and I want to basically make sure you're aware of it. But the best part of all this is that even though I am a fan, I have something to offer you, the uh, viewer at home. For 20% off your first order, you can visit macweldoncom slash filmhouse and enter promo code filmhouse. That means that you're going to get the most comfortable pairs of underwear, shorts, shirts, socks, basically anything that you can put on your body for 20% off. You go to macweldoncom slash filmhouse. I highly recommend you checking them out. They are my favorite pair of underwear, and I highly recommend them. Uh, one thing I can contribute to the MacGruber conversation is I did see a BTS video from Drummer Takone. Is that how you say his last name? Uh, I don't know. Was, I, I say it, it about, every time. It was about 12 seconds long. Uh, they go to, like, this, uh, this uh, lot, and he goes, Hey, we're going to test some guns from MacGruber. And then it's, like, six frames each of him firing each gun. Uh, and then he's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> and then it, it was like a 12 second video. And I remember it being really funny. Uh, and then I didn't see the awesome. Um, I want one thing I can contribute is do you guys have a guess on what the budget and box office for MacGruber is? I know what the budget is cause it's in the document that Elise gave us and I'm reading it. Uh, right that's not now. fair. Okay. Uh, well the, but yeah, I had the budget at 10 million, but yep. I'd love to know because I know that it was competing against Shrek Forever After. Oof. Oof. Ouch. That's rough. That's uh, it, it was 9.3 million, so huge bomb, kind of. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know they're supposed to be making, what is it? It's a it's a Amazon series or Netflix series? Or no, a sequel, mm -hmm. I thought. Or is it a series? Maybe. They're making a series, I believe. That's amazing. We, he, we went and saw that movie. Which one was it? The paranormal one, at least? Um, oh, I'm blinking on it. No, oh. uh, it was it was earlier oh. earlier this year the the New Zealand one. Either oh way, gosh. he's he's yeah, in it. He's great. It's, it's a really sweet movie. Paranormal or something extraordinary. Like. Extraordinary. That's the one. Yes, uh, and he's in it. He's fantastic. Um, he's not the main character, but he definitely helps. But someone asked about MacGruber at the screening, and you know, similar to Hot Rod, he said, you know, that we're really proud of the movie. It's the one we wanted to make, and um, we I think he said they have the scripts done or they're almost done, or they, uh, this is a while ago for the series, and obviously with the way the world is right now, things are slowing down, but there is still a potential MacGruber series you know, in that same style, because like The Expanse oh, yeah. and a bunch of other shows, and like Dark Crystal, you know, these are things that didn't you know, really find a home where they were, but there, there is enough of a, a fan base to keep them going, so yeah, mm -hmm. more, I'll take more MacGruber like that. That'd be so, that'd make me very happy. Uh, <laughs> God. Something else I would take a sequel to is what I consider to be their magnum opus, 
uh, 2016's pop star, yeah, Never Stop, great. Never Stopping. Like, I just, I think this is a perfect movie. And again, man, like, Lonely Island just has a track record of, you know, their box office yeah. uh, is, is is a dud, but then they find that later life. So they it was $9 million budget. Or, so pardon me, it was a $20 million budget. They only grossed $9 million on it. Ouch. Which is it's criminal because... It's such a funny movie. It's like <laughs> such a perfect movie. Those lucky um, motherfuckers. They get they they have box office disaster after another. Then, yeah. then their budgets start doubling and they, they get worse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's so weird that like these are three movies that we all all I think all of us agree are great. Why didn't they perform better? Did They're the did the studios or the marketing teams not market them because they didn't think they were going to be big or? I mean, they they are. Is there the just not part. like? Is it too niche or like what? It why the the latter two are R rated. That's something to consider. Um, mm. And yeah, I I don't know if I mean who knows now that now that Andy Samberg has been on um, I almost said Reno nine one Brooklyn nine nine um, long enough that maybe. He has enough star power that they'll go. We'll give you forty million dollars, and the movie will make five million. Whatever they do next, but um, I think that's it. Yeah. They're not movie stars; they're yeah. internet yeah. and TV stars. Mm. That's my yeah. theory. Man. Well, after Palm Springs, Andy Samberg might be more of a movie star, but we'll Maybe. we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Pop star follows childhood friends, kind of like their own personal story. Connor Owen and Lawrence who find fame and fortune after forming the hip-hop group The Style Boys. So they're kind of this like pop star group. And then uh, Connor, played by Andy Samberg, he launches a solo career kind of as like, it's supposed to be, I guess, more of a Justin Bieber-ish mm-hmm. kind of, you know, pop. He's he's basically a very gimmicky performer. And so the, the movie is there's a documentary that's being filmed around his life while his second album is about to come out. But then, of course, you know, he has this big fall from grace and that's what it's it's following. The um, the thing about this movie is it was produced by Judd Apatow. So this is kind of like their first working relationship, as far as I know, with him um, and Rodney Rothman. And I I'm wondering if that's where sort of a lot of these cameos came from, because there are a billion cameos in this movie. Uh, like Mariah Carey, Ringo Starr, Questlove, Justin Timberlake, 50 Cent, Michael Bolton, Usher, Weird Al. Those are only the musical cameos because then there are a ton of people who are also characters in the movie like Sarah Silverman, Joan Cusack, Maya Rudolph, Chris Redd, Tim Meadows. I, I, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, if you put Tim Meadows in anything, he's going to be one of the best parts of it. Yeah. yeah. Criminally underrated. That's why that budget's uh, so high is that cameo budget. I don't know if they yeah. got paid. At all, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think a lot of them also might just be fans of Lonely Island. If they're not fans of Lonely Island, they're at least fans of like, hey, you know the Dick in the Box guys, or I'm on a boat. They're making a movie, and they're like, oh my god, I want to do something with those guys. They're so funny, and that's how you get those people typically. But I mean, especially Justin Timberlake, obviously, who is also Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, he's Sorry. insanely funny in that movie. I know. Yeah, represent your weird patch of grass. Okay, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. boy. Just- <laughs> he's our hometown hero. Keep going. Cool, cool. Justin Timberlake has this little like cameo as their tour chef, but yeah. then it also pays off later, and it's it's a great payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much in this movie. Uh, it feels like a movie that's longer than the 90 minutes because it just has so much. When you look at all the the found footage and stuff that they're recreating, the archival footage, and then uh, 
all the musical numbers that are in it. Like you can go and rewatch it and rewatch it and get so much out of it. Um, the songs that they make are also hilarious. Like the equal rights stuff mm-hmm. where Andy Samberg's he's singing about, you know, he want, of course, everybody should have equal rights. They should be able to marry whoever they want. But then he keeps saying that he's not gay. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> like, you know, he's like, let, let people marry who they want. I'm not gay. Like he's, it's like the perfect, you know, lampooning of that sort of pop star that has those kind of disingenuous songs. Mm-hmm. Um, like I that, could list them all. They're so good. I mean, that I think that's something that uh, they've always been so good at, uh, which is kind of emulating uh, musical styles and executing on oh, yeah. them really, really well. Uh, and, like, I personally used to loathe musical comedy because most of it that I experienced was someone with just, like, a guitar going, here is the setup and here is the joke. And here is the setup, and here is the joke. Like, that was musical comedy to me. But they really took it to a whole new level where it's like the the song structure is solid. You know, it's an actual song. It's just not like a foil for these uh, iambic pentameter goofs. Like, they're really, they're really so good at musical comedy. Yeah. And it's, it's rapping and singing it. and... Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing is, uh, just just on their own, like uh, the the song. It's not in the movie, but the uh, Captain Jack Sparrow song they do with Michael Bolton. Like the oh, song, yeah. the song, the normal song they're trying to make sounds like something you would hear in the. It, it, it's like a it's a bump and grind, like hot and heavy, like like you know I'm I'm fucking twice guy. You know, it's like it's all this all these great lyrics. You're like oh my god, like they're writing like an actual song, and then it keeps cutting back. To Michael Bolton wanting to sing about the Pirates movies. Yeah. It's like, to have that that next level of being able to say, this is what makes a good song, but this is what makes good parody. And then also make just to make your humor come out through music is so hard. And God, they're they're amazing at it. They're like they are basically next gen Weird Al, as far as I can mm-hmm. tell. Like they're just so great at what they do. And they, they there's a Michael Bolton cameo in this movie because at the end he performs a song with the the don- the style boys incredible oh, yeah. thoughts and like the lyrics i gotta look up the lyrics because <laughs> it's actually like a really like like you're saying like it's a it's a like well-structured and pretty song but the lyrics are incredible thoughts incredible minds i'm so overwhelmed how did my brain conceive them <laughs> it's like the heck and it's so silly that reminded like, it, it was- that one reminded me of the uh the insane clown, clown posse like magnets like there's so much magic in the world song <laughs> uh, I just like that one of the tracks is called finest girl uh, parentheses the bin Laden song oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is like actually a really catchy song too um, yeah there, there's just so much in this movie my favorite bit out of the whole thing is uh, CMZ, which is the fake TMZ. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But they it's, do. it's Will Arnett, and right? It, yeah, it's Will Arnett, and then, like, Chelsea Peretti and Eric Andre and a few other people are, <laughs> they're huddled in that bay um, where they're, you know, doing the daily briefings for the, with, it's supposed to be, like, the TMZ team, but, like, they're just cackling, and then they all have these, like, handheld uh, 7-Eleven cups that keep getting bigger and bigger and then like some of them have them all taped together and it's like it's so brilliant like it's yeah. just so spot on it's all of the, all, uh, so all Will Arnett's like fake laughing it's just yeah when it, like Eric yeah. Andre's just screaming like they're all trying yeah. to out scream each other god it's 
<laughs> I'm watching uh, it right Tim now. Meadows. It's making me laugh. <laughs> Chris Red's character in it is. Hilarious. Oh yeah. He plays um. Oh, what's his name? Uh, something the. Uh, to look it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up too. Sorry. Hunter. Oh yeah, Hunter the something. Yeah, it just says Hunter. <laughs> oh, Hunter! I thought it was like Hunter the something, but Might uh, be. but yeah, he's like his pranking thing where he mm. loves to do pranks on people, and then he pranks Connor, and like, uh, he's you know has him exposed completely naked on stage, but then Connor has his penis tucked between his legs, and so it's like a whole thing. The media storm around it, and he's like, mm. "No, I have a penis, but I can't show you my penis." But, like, I need to show them my penis to prove to them I have a penis. And, like, it's great. Uh, the subtle stuff, like Tim Meadows, his character is, plays Connor's manager. But we learned that he had, a long time ago, a career in the music industry where he was the fourth tacit performer uh, in Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, yeah. Tony, but Tony, he got Tony, kicked Tom. out of the... Right. Yeah. <laughs> he got kicked out of the band because he wanted to, to style it as his name having a question mark after it. So it'd be Tony, Tony, Tony. Like, uh, and it's just like, it's just such a dumb, but good, like good joke. Yeah. There's, there's uh Bill haters, like one second joke where he just, he's really into flatlining. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like flatliners. And it's just like, just yeah. these dumb, obscure references that people like us get. But obviously the, the movie going public just, completely miss because they're like who cares about flatliners and then the flatliners remake comes out and that bombs too i think there's a connection i don't know i believe it the box office uh, poison i well, would as oh. far as sorry go please go ahead i was just going to say uh, the, jumping ahead a little bit but but pop star to me is the good version of what i i or i shouldn't say good version but the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience that you made me watch, Elise. Like, I, I really did enjoy it, but it, I wish it had more structure like Popstar, whereas, you know, because you get songs every 10 minutes or five minutes or something like that, and it, it you know, makes it easier to digest. Whereas if you get, you get 10 music videos in a row, I thought that was its, that thing's weakness. Oh, and mm. Yeah, we'll talk about that because, like, I think it's really fun, but I don't think it's it's without, like, flaws. Right. Um like kind yeah, of what you're fun. describing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, to me, pop star is like the pinnacle of these guys showing like I this is what that. we can do. And, you know, they wrote and directed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, it, it is like, it is like the lonely Island, the album, the movie. And it was like, it should have yeah. been, right. I wish it had been more successful because of what it was, where it's like, it's, if you're a lonely Island fan and you like their stuff, and you're like, imagine them making a movie like, Oh my God, fantastic. And then it doesn't, you know, kill it. it it's like, it almost should have been kickstarted or something like that. So it's like, <laughs> it's just for the people who want it, but yeah, those still, $20 million should have been kickstarted. <laughs> I mean, they, I don't know. What did super troopers get like $2 billion or whatever? I don't know. I think they got 15 million, but I'm saying like it, maybe, maybe they just make movies for the people who want it, but like maybe, I don't know. After Palm Springs, I know we'll talk about that, but um, I'm curious what their future is going to be because they definitely seem like they're evolving, but maybe they're not going to make, they're not going to go through the Hollywood system that they've been trying to break through in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And you're on the money with that because then after that, they sort of start getting into streaming and creating content exclusively for streaming platforms. 
like 2017's Michael Bolton's Big Sexy Valentine's Day special in which Santa tells Michael Bolton that he needs 75,000 new babies by Christmas to meet Toy Supply. Uh, so Michael Bol- Bolton hosts a sexy telethon to get the world to start making love. Um, and this is like a hybrid. This is a Netflix exclusive. It was a hybrid production kind of with Scott Ackerman and his people, who I really like too. So like Akiva Schaefer and Scott Ackerman co-directed it. And then Akiva was writing it with Scott Ackerman and his team and the whole Lonely Island crew acted in it. Um, but yeah, they after they did Jack Sparrow with Michael Bolton on SNL, they like just kept in touch with him and they say that they go to lunch with him whenever he's in town and they have this like really weird relationship with him. Um, But this is just sort of like, it's one of those, you know, kind of like the Bill Murray Netflix special where it's like, let's parade out all kinds of stars, make it feel like one of those old, you know, Dean Martin-esque telethons, but for, uh, for millennials and Gen Z where it's weird and uh, irreverent and, I, I watched it once and then I was kind of like, okay. And I, I really have no major retention for it. Like, I don't know it. if any of you guys I, have seen it. I, I didn't, no, I, once again, like I never know what these guys are doing. Like I, I didn't know Palm Springs was a thing. I didn't know the Michael Bolton, even the original music video. I didn't you know work that was in a media. thing. I know. I, it's, it's <laughs> weird. Like, I don't know if it's like, there's like, I just don't get shared on this stuff or, uh, but like, I didn't know. If you see this on Netflix, I probably just seeing it being presented to me. There's no way I know Lonely Island's associated with it. Probably because it's Michael Bolton, who my thought is, oh, they like that Jack Sparrow music video. Let's get him to do something. Not knowing Lonely Island is associated with it, but I will watch it now. I promise. Stop yelling at me, Elise. And I I see your messages. I will do it. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, More so for Michael Bolton. Because I guess he he was self-conscious about a little bit of the hair jokes they were making in this. But they were like, Michael, we got to make the hair jokes. You know, it was, you're known for your hair. And he said, OK. Yeah. Um, when they talk about the origins of this idea, Jorma says, uh, we started talking about his Jack Sparrow character and uh, making a, co- a comedy special as, it, as if it's from the version of Michael Bolton, very confident, sexy and, and confident in how sexy he is just our dream of who Michael Bolton was without ever having met him, <laughs> then that led us to Valentine's Day, which would obviously be his holiday, um, right. which is pretty fun. I, yeah. I do think like, it's like, ah, this seems like a, you know, it might not push the needle, but it's like a fun thing that people enjoy yeah. and probably has a better life on Netflix than if they did try to do anything else theatrically with this. I'm a huge fan of the uh, Disney's Hercules soundtrack. Featuring music by Michael Bolton. That's my entire uh, go the distance. Experience. Yeah, wow. that song rules. I, yeah, I Michael Bolton. I mean, my my experience with him was the the reoccurring joke on Office Space, where you know it, oh, yeah. it, there's oh, the, yeah. the nerd guy who works there whose name is also Michael Bolton, and he's really upset about it. Which is that <laughs> is still a funny joke, no matter how many times they reuse it. Like in uh, Thirty Rock, when there's the character named Wesley Snipes. And he's just a very uptight British guy. Uh, and he's just really? very upset that there are two Wesley Snipes and he can't come to terms with it. I'm like, it's still a funny joke. I don't, I never get sick yeah. of that. But then, yeah, the, the Michael Bolton, the uh, Jack Sparrow thing happened. And like, that's how you do a joke. It's just, hey, Michael, hey, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. I listened to it. Real sexy hook. By the way, have you seen those pirate movies? They're great. Yeah. Okay, cool. And it's like, it's, you already know what you're, they set it up so quickly, but it's like, they're, their joke delivery and everything else like that. Their setups are so well done. And it's like, and then getting someone who is like, 
Michael Bolton's a straight guy. You know, it's like he's he's the yeah. ultimate like straight man, but he he seems okay just kind of poking fun at himself. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, there's there's someone else that's in the next movie that's kind of like that, uh, which is 2017's Briggs, Brigsby Bear, which is a little bit of a, more of an indie, and it also yeah. feels a little bit like uh, probably not. I'm probably romanticizing it, but it feels a little bit like it's one sketch group passing a torch onto another sketch group that went from internet to making movies because the movie was written by Kyle Mooney Mooney of Good Neighbor, uh, but then the Lonely Island crew stepped in to help produce. Also, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who, you know, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, they're on that producing team. Clone High. Um, and, you know, the one of the uh, like Good Neighbor guys got to direct it, and Andy Samberg acts in it. Uh, this movie, like, and it has a lot of heart, I'd say, more than it is, like, laugh-out-loud funny. It's a little mm. bit more of a, like, poetic movie. But the person yeah. I was thinking of is um, Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. who, you know... I guess later in life, he's gotten a little bit a sillier in his career. But there's definitely some silly stuff to him in this movie. I'm going to go out and say I don't Mark like Hamill. this movie. Oh, sorry. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't like it. Really? I think me and you talked about it, John, because you love it, I want to say, and I don't like it. Am I, I either am I love things or that? hate things. I have yeah. no middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I don't like it. You love it. Let's fight. I enjoyed it. Um, I think, yeah, I think Elise... Uh, is right that it it has more heart than comedy. Like, mm-hmm. there were some funny, you know, there were some funny aspects to it, but it's much more like this weird, off the wall kind of uh, drama. I think there were, there are were a lot of times in it where I felt so uncomfortable. I actually had to stop watching it because I thought it was going to go. Down one a different direction? road, yeah, one yeah. direction. But then it, it it was like, oh no, this is more heartfelt. Um, I know exactly what you're d- describing because that's how I felt watching it. Yeah, it like I got so nervous. It's just like, oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Because the basic premise is that Kyle Mooney plays this guy James who lives with his parents like somewhere out in Arizona or something mm-hmm. like that, and he learns that. And I don't know if I should say this kind of a spoiler. So if you plan oh, on yeah, watching yeah. it, it's a little bit of a spoiler. But he he learns that. He's actually the the people he thinks are his parents actually kidnapped him, mm-hmm. um, who are uh, uh, Mark Hamill and uh, oh, I'm not sure who plays. Is it Michaela Watkins that plays his mother? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Uh, yes. And they're they're actually his kidnappers. Uh, so he's confronted with this new reality. He's been like locked in their house, unable to like go out into the world. There's this TV show called Brigsby Bear, which Mark Hamill has been making for him for the last, you know, 25 years of his life as kind of a sedative uh, to keep him, you know, like locked in this world. And he learns that, you know, one Brigsby Bear, this serial television show isn't real. And then he learns that like there's this whole other world outside. And so it's like kind of really sad from that perspective. Like you're saying, John, like and I kept thinking like, oh, no, this is going to get a lot darker than it's already. Yeah presenting itself hmm. uh, but it kind of ends up sweet and yeah uh one thing about mark hamill i think he's one of those people that kind of got stuck as luke skywalker like he was so big as known as this one character it was hard for him to kind of break out but he's had a long career in voice acting that was something i he's learned kind of yeah, he's yeah. the Joker. He was a bunch of characters in uh, Powerpuff Girls. Um, 
like Mojo Jojo, I think, and a few other characters. Uh, Maybe. He really, like, in terms of his body of work, uh, he's done a lot more. He, he has a lot larger range, I think, than people realize. Um, and, yeah, I really, I really just enjoy him as a character actor. Uh, he's mm. great. And so he was he was really great in this where, I mean, not a character actor, but really just playing a character you don't usually see him as. And he blew it out of the park. Love this movie, Ryan. <laughs> uh, Ryan, why you hate it? Missed opportunity in my mind. I, I love Kyle Mooney and the Good Neighbor sketches and stuff. And I kind of was just like perplexed about why that, that they took their big – shot at, on this movie, you know, when they get a budget to make something. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you write a script and you're like, the concept of this is really weird and stuff. And like, it'll, that'll translate to when you watch the scenes, but it kind of doesn't, I feel like it, it kind of comes off as like you're saying, really kind of uncomfortable sometimes. And I don't know what, if that was all in, intention to kind of, I guess maybe he just wanted to make a his first movie not to be a straight comedy wanted it to be this kind of weird indie movie like you're saying but yeah it just didn't work for me on any level I kind of got what they were going for you know and I've seen a bunch I mean I was kind of raised on some of that because it's like really like they're, they're hardcore Christians aren't they or, or, or aren't they like if ever, it's been forever since I saw this aren't they religious fanatics that 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 kidnapped them am I remembering that wrong either way the uh, I feel like I, I had seen some of that kind of shows that they're trying to ape with Brigsby Bear, like the weird production values. And so I got the references for that, but I still just didn't really love the movie. I got just like a, such a strong indie vibe, I think, from the trailer that it turned me off to it, not knowing who was associated with it. It just it, it's like how I don't know if you see the trailer for Garden State, you're you kind of. Really oh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what the movie I was thinking of when you it, said. Yeah. It, and, and like. Like you're you're either you know seventeen and going like oh my god the movie that found me or you're twenty seven going it's so deep. Oh, yeah pretentious garbage, uh, but depending on where you are in your life and Brigsby Bear I think it it gave me the the sort of pretentious vibe yes. to it but um, so I mean once again I I am judging a book by its cover and usually if Ryan hate something, I know I'm going to like it. So I'm going to check it out, I Adam. Yeah, Ryan. It was just kind of a sweet movie. You better like what I like. Yeah. It was sweet and <laughs> sad. A, Greg, Greg Kinnear really helps circle around the sweetness on it mm-hmm. by the end. Um, Another so actor who just, else. we've forgotten. Sorry. Oh, no, not Greg Kinnear. No, I know he's great. He's great but in I Ghost just, Town. He's great in everything. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I just feel like he's, he's as good as it gets. Sadly, you're right. Um, the, the movie where he's an angel. I don't know. Forget. Or something. He doesn't have to uh, give mail to people. Let's keep moving along, at least. Dear God. That's the one. Dear God. Moving on, uh, moving on to something else that Ryan hates here. Uh, 2019, the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience. I don't this hate this. Netflix. This one flew under I'm my radar. Joking. I didn't even know this it existed net- until this uh, week. Oh, a Netflix original. It's 30 minutes long. And it's the Lonely Island spoofing the careers of Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire back in the oh. 80s when they were the notorious Bash Brothers. Wait, um, they had a music career? No. no. Oh, it's when oh, they were like okay. hitting homers constantly and yeah. juicing and they were they were the Bash Brothers in the media. Um, and the way that Andy Samberg and Akiva Schaefer, who you know wrote it and developed it, worked on it, was that just over the year, you know, that they they worked on it whenever they had time they would just randomly 
like work on a song and they ended up writing like 10 or 11 songs and then they were like you know what let's make it as a visual poem so it's it's really like a long music video kind of stitched together mm-hmm. all these these things and when you watch it um I because I had watched it when it came out James and I watched it and then I rewatched it this week for this and when I was watching it again knowing that they it was so low budget and they actually like just went and stole a lot of the shots. Like, cause I read an interview where they were like, they were like, Oh we, yeah, we just would, would go and jump out of our cars in Griffith park and shoot this scene or we would shoot this <laughs> thing, you know, by the side of the freeway. And I was watching it again and I was like, Oh, they're just shooting this shit wherever. Like <laughs> this yeah. is just a crazy mad classic thing. lonely Island. Do, do, do you know I, I Mike Diva? I saw this. this is great. Do you know Mike, Mike Diva? No. Elise? He's Mike a director. Diva. great. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. He's a perfect example of just, you know, make and do with what you got. And he's like, can make just amazing high quality videos with no budget, basically. You've probably and and seen they look a number of his videos. He, he's yeah. definitely had a lot of kind of blow up viral videos. He's classic YouTube. Hmm. Classic YouTube. He made that, tr- that funny Trump, uh, Korean uh, 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 Trump parody video. Did you see that, Elise? I'm not describing this well. Uh, I don't think so. I think his first video back in the day was where they were in college or something, and they just dressed up as uh, like a dude with a curly mullet, and his friend played saxophone, and they would just bust into like college classrooms in the middle of lectures, and just he'd stand up on a table and play, (laughs) (laughs) and the teacher would be like, get the fuck out of here. That was their first video, and then Mike Diva got really into uh, visual effects and stuff, and like, just started making cooler and cooler looking stuff, and really established like a visual style. Oh, you're talking about the Jeff Donald Trump video? Yeah, Yeah. that one. And the Hillary Clinton meme queen one is pretty great, too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, like it looks incredible. And that's why I kept as I'm watching this, like I'm I'm super into baseball and Mike McGuire and Jose Canseco, that whole the juice uh, scandal and stuff. And so I was like psyched that this is such a weird, high concept it's so project yeah. that yeah, I, yeah. I just kind of the whole time I'm sitting there going like this is so well done. I just wish it had a better structure that where it made more sense of why I'm watching this, because it makes sense that you just said uh, it's like a tone poem, because that's kind of what the vibe gives off. Yeah. You know, like, you know, he's floating into the abyss and, and in the water the first- and. Yeah, the first time I saw it, it was exhausting. And then I yeah. thought going back and watching it, you know, a year later again, I was and knowing it, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this won't feel as exhausting. But no, it felt exhausting again because it's just 30 minutes of like moving to the next, moving to the next, moving to the next song. And everything's just like manic. Yeah. And it doesn't stop. And, and they don't like, explain really, really what cool. it is. They don't explain, they don't explain what, what anything the fuck is. is happening or what you're watching. And it gets, yeah, it gets surreal. It gets grounded it like it chills and then it picks up again and like th- my favorite part of it is there's this one the uh, kathy ireland cameo yeah uh no it's the one with like uh, maya rudolph oh and, yeah yeah uh, i can't remember her name but she's from brooklyn 99 they're basically they go to they're in the parking lot of like a 7-eleven and there's this like kind of gang of girls that like start intimidating them and they're like they're like move your butts they just sing this song at them they sing at them about moving their butts like move your butt move all four parts of your butt like and it's it's so stupid and silly but like i thought it was i i remember seeing this and i thought it was a i think i was sick so i think it was like i thought it was a fever dream that i had it's so weird seeing seeing clips of this thing and just being like oh god i i live this (laughs) this is 
Yeah, I forget. Yeah, Mike, it, I forget. I, I didn't realize how much of Mike Diva stuff I've actually seen. That's the crazy part. Oh, yeah. like he did the he did He's the left right video. He's collabed with uh, Corridor Digital a lot too. That makes oh. sense. He did the video I'm on um, crack, which is the the mindless self indulgence side project that Jimmy Aaron did. Yeah. The, that, it, it's just it's two minutes of insanity. It's like came out nine years ago. <laughs> I have a side question for Ryan. Uh, every what time up? you're talking about watching the Bash Brothers, you were looking up. Did you sit on your floor? When you watch this and you looked up at this screen, I, I, do you have a, po- the, the, you have a the poster? The TV of them is on the wall. The TV is okay. on the wall. So whenever you're watching stuff, you're <laughs> craning your neck up. No, I'm just laying a little... on the couch drinking <laughs> okay, my right. Rona and uh, just <laughs> watching, you know, hanging out. I just love getting back. glimpses have, into your life. There's a nice little ottoman. Put my feet up on it. Okay. Uh, I got some chips. Sounds pretty comfy. Pretzels. I anyway. I thought you had a poster of Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. And you <laughs> were just <laughs> cherishing it. Look at it from your childhood <laughs> up there. I mean, they hate each other uh, in real life. I was expecting them to get, uh, or Mark hates him, and so I was I was expecting them to get to that point. And they kind of touch on it, but they really don't. Like, if you don't know that story or baseball, I'm sure you you're just nothing like, of what, it from yeah, this. What is yeah. what is this that I'm watching? They should have had some little yeah. interstitials that kind of you know, like that interview segment at the beginning, maybe a little more better bookend to really make this make sense. But it's great still. I I think for a 30 minute thing that's on Netflix. That you know is included in my uh, subscription. I'm like, okay, uh, I appreciate this. But yeah, if it, if it was 90 yeah. minutes, maybe I'd be like, this yeah. is too much. If I had to pay more but money I, I agree for with it, you. then yeah, but it's free. So um, their final uh, offering that just came out, and uh, this was a little, it's a little bit different because they didn't direct it, uh, they didn't they didn't write it, but they were all uh, producing it. Andy Samberg was an executive producer, and he also starred in it as 2020's Palm Spring uh, that just came out on uh, in July on Hulu. Instant like classic. A, a massive take for Hulu. It set the opening weekend record by netting more hours watched over its first three days than any other film in the platform's history. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So while we don't really know, like, how it would compare financially to past Lonely Island stuff, which has have typically been failures, I think mm-hmm. this is a huge success. Do you think that is in part to, like, someone mentioned earlier that uh, Andy Samberg has now been on, like, cable television for the past five, six years or whatever? Or however, no. I, I guess three or four years? Because, like, I feel like SNL and Lonely Island and that stuff is kind of a the niche comedy scene where, or not niche comedy, but, like, it's the comedy scene. Whereas being on a huge comedy that's on what was it nbc that's where it's really hitting the millions and millions of people throughout the country um yeah i feel like and kind of it, making him kind of more of a public figure Maybe. i think he was I, handed I, a golden script and he okay. was lucky enough to play the the, the golden part in the golden script okay. yeah I, that's tough too because like we, we've talked about this before um name the main actor the main guy from how i met your mother what is the actor's name, Neil Patrick Harris. Isn't it Josh something. So you've proven you've proven my point. Uh, he he was one of the. It was on a show that was seen by apparently millions of people every week, and we can't remember his first name, and we don't know what he's been in since. So, but Jason there, there, Siegel, Neil Patrick Harris, it was launching pads. I guess a relaunching pad for Neil Patrick Harris. But. His name is Josh Raynor, I believe, or Radner, or something like that. Um, but well, regardless, it, it gave. I'm, uh, so, go ahead. Kristen Milioti 
who's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Shining yeah, she's star. The mom. She's Shining the mother bright. and the mom in that movie. She's the mother, Adam. Oh, I didn't get that far. I, I, I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> I, I, like, I always wonder that where I'm like, oh, someone who's really big on television, they're trying to transition to a, you know, movie career. Didn't really work for Matt LeBlanc, you know, like those types of people. Where it's like mm-hmm. you're part of a, an ensemble, and that's what makes it work. So, like, I don't, I don't know if that works. If anyone goes, oh, I'm going to check out Palm Springs because of this other unrelated show, I'm not sure. Uh, just because network TV is, it, I assume most of the people who are watching it are dying on their couch. Um, like <laughs> there's a, there's a 50, 50 chance that they're, they're going to fall asleep and not wake up based on their age. I, I, I think when people are watching or getting told to watch this movie, they're being, uh, it's because of the, of, Hey, go watch this hilarious film and not, Oh, the, the new Andy Samberg is out on Hulu. Uh, you should watch it. You know, it's like, I think that it just has, right. it's just one of those, uh, it caught on. It had good word of mouth cause it's amazing. It's so funny. And the script's great. And uh, pretty good timing you know, too. Endless classic. Yeah, good timing. And then, yeah, it probably does help that Andy Samberg's a name, but he's not, like we said, he has none of his movies have made money at all. So yeah. uh, I think he got the right script with the right cast and the right director, and he's the right and guy for it. I think the movie didn't cost too much to make, but then, like, Hulu and Neon paid $17.5 million. That's uh, awesome. And the highest crazy. sale from a Sundance film. And? And? 69 cents. And sixty nine cents. Yeah. By, oh, by six by sixty nine cents. They beat it. They beat sale. it by sixty nine. They beat the most. Yeah. The <laughs> other movie was bought for seventeen point five, uh, awesome. and so they paid sixty nine <laughs> cents more just so they could beat that record because they're children. Because this industry is run by yeah. by literal man children or women children. And the basic <laughs> the basic premise, if you haven't seen it, is that uh, Andy Samberg and Kristen Milati's characters are stuck in a time loop at a wedding in Palm Springs and they develop a romance as they're living the same day over and over. It's like, it's like a uh, groundhog day with a player too. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel think like everyone does, on this call enjoyed it. It feels almost like, like if you could make a spinoff or make a sequel to groundhog's day, groundhog day, right? Uh, that's, this is how you would do it. And it, it sort of acknowledges the movie sort of not really, but it, it I think it, it's aware that it's not an original concept. Yeah. Um, but that, that's not it. That, that is, it's just the frame in which it's presented. Right. Yeah. And then they, but it's I also, like, what do you I also do think with that? that like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I sort of feel like Groundhog Day has become a genre unto itself where it's like, oh, you're not copying the original movie. Now, if you do this concept, you're just doing a genre, which mm-hmm. is, you know, someone trapped yeah. in a daily loop. Cause like there's, um, Russian doll on Netflix, which I really loved. Oh, is yeah. Essentially same co- a same thing. Groundhog Day premise, too. They did uh, it in other... uh, X Files. They did an episode of that with a bank robbery as well. Happy oh, yeah. Death Day. Uh, Happy something Death I Day. think that I saw a number of like uh, journalism pieces on this, but I, I think they, uh, they were right in that this movie almost kind of taps into what uh, thematically a lot of us are going through in quarantine, that it just seems like the same day over and over and so maybe that oh. also struck a chord with viewers mm-hmm, as well and like it almost and i mean you know they couldn't have planned that because it was shot and filmed before all this happened but it just kind of like came out at the right time to where it actually like it was much more relatable than it would have yeah. been previously well, we talked about this we talked about this last week about how tenet is like such a sacred film and that it's it's almost too good to come out on streaming. And then you have this strange <laughs> hierarchy. But I, I think also that's the other thing too, is we're, we're sort of craving new content that, that I, I've, every time someone recommends anything for me on Netflix, they're like, Oh, Netflix just put out this new thing. It's okay. 
I, I haven't heard, uh, not since I think Dark Crystal has anything been like, you got to check this out. It's really good. Everything's been so kind of subpar. And then Palm Springs comes yeah. along and it's like, oh, this is actually good. This is something I would have seen in the theater. Um, but then, I have to, there's that weird stigma. I don't know. Yeah, I, I have to wonder if also like because there hasn't been been new media coming out in the last four months, save what we're getting on streaming, we're all being a little bit more uh, like easygoing and accommodating. To our, so we're not being as critical. We're not being as critical, maybe to to some okay. stuff that we're, we're like, oh, that's good because it's kind of like what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have but, a, a, a my one complaint of the film is the the ending right spoiler alert like Wait, i just thought it was on, kind of just we, well don't spoil uh, it oh we can't, Unless we, we can't are, well i guess if we want to talk about spoilers yeah, at least at least give people wrong. more than a, a four second warning because okay. yeah yeah spoiler uh, alert and here's four, a spoiler three <laughs> spoiler 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 so it just seemed spoiler. pretty convenient you know kind of just kind of everything kind of wraps up like uh i mean she just basically learns quantum physics like <laughs> you know and which is funny in a I way mean, that's something kinda, you could do uh, if you had infinite time that, uh, like that's the thing i don't know i it I was mean, cool who knows? it was maybe just kind she, of like yeah maybe she was doing that for 10 years you know like yeah, yeah. you right. see it as a montage well, they, but yeah they could have been there yeah. for eternity but it's just kind of like all right she has this idea they test it. They sent the goat through. Come with me. Okay. And then they're in the pool. And then it's over. I, it was, Ryan, you know, for such a Ryan great movie, I wanted a more epic ending. But that's that just me. Kind of a I, I'm, as I'm well. being too critical, like uh, Elise said, too I, critical no, no. during quarantine. I will, I, will, uh, I will chime in there, and then I'll let John gush about the movie because I know he's seen it as, at least three times. Um, <laughs> that's why I, I saw it. I shared your sentiment in that Thank I you. also felt like the ending didn't give me what I wanted from it, mostly mm-hmm. from the perspective of there were a lot of great characters introduced mm-hmm. that uh, I didn't feel like got their due in terms of storylines. Like J.K. Simmons, I know it's supposed to be poetic that, you know, when he goes out to visit him and, and J.K. Simmons says, well, I'm reliving this, this, you know, it's a beautiful day and I'm reliving it again and again. But there's still something that was a little bit sour to me about, oh, you know, they get out and potentially J.K. Simmons is in that stuck in that it feels a little bit too sad we, for a movie well, like they put this. a button we as the audience for that yeah where we, she we, called we, him and left a message yeah they take care of it yeah not, did you not did see you that not, part? Wait, that's where yeah. the plot hole is oh i guess does it's kind leave, of a post credits it uh basically yeah. does she leave a message and tell him to like he yeah do what they did so he that comes happens the right before that woman yeah. comes up yeah he uh and she's like i know you're going away soon Right before that, she's leaving a message on the phone going, hey, yeah, so if you get this, call oh. me back. Um, and I didn't then, know that that happened. Yeah, and then yeah. at the end, J.K. Simmons comes to the party and Andy Samberg's there and he goes, hey, so this thing your girlfriend was talking about, it's a pretty crazy idea. Yeah. Do you think it'll work? And Andy Samberg doesn't recognize him and J.K. Simmons goes, oh, yeah. it did work. But yeah. here's Wait, the thing. Wait, this is all after the credits? Yeah. It was like well, after like the mid- first four credits. It's like directed by, written by, and then that happens. Man, you. I know well, you, you were, went. You went right you to the just, next movie. At least you just you just ran. <laughs> at, you said perfect movie. Don't want any more. I don't want to see Nick Cage <laughs> show up. Do they reconcile? Do they reconcile that the, mm-hmm. that Camila Mendez, her husband, is a cheating douche? No, they didn't. No, I mean it. It was. I mean they did, but it was her. Basically, she gives that speech and then says, you know, don't fuck this up. And then he's like, okay. I, and she, she I gives think him, the way like, they reconciled and, yeah. that. 
maybe it, it wasn't satisfying, but the way they reconciled it was in the one in the one flashback where she goes in and she's like, "We're terrible people," and he's, and he's in, the, in shower, the shower, and he yeah. seems so absolutely remorseful. Maybe like that combined yeah. with her giving the speech is kind of. I mean, it's not saying it's a satisfying tie off, but I felt like that was how they tied it off. Was that he actually did feel like he made a huge mistake, and he's not just a recurring cheating bastard. Um, but here's the thing: plot hole. When she tested on the goat, the goat disappeared from the time loop. Mm-hmm. But when J.K. Simmons came back, Andy Samberg was still there. He'd just lost his memory. What happened? Jeez, it, well, Shouldn't have Andy Samberg and, and her disappear from the loop? Just I see, saying. from his loop. Uh, Maybe it's alternate reality jk simmons oh. is now in a different my so mind hurts now. now well that was that was my thought was <laughs> they they sort of touch on it but they say you know multiverse theory my thought was every time they die or anything bad happens or whatever that splits off into its own parallel reality where there now is a reality oh. where they killed where someone dead. else yeah they're dead or something like yeah. that so it it almost behooves them to they're just stuck in this one moment they should live. They should live life where they can just fall asleep, so that that version of them can live on. Because they may have actually ruined the lives of someone else. That's a much darker <laughs> ending, but that that is sort of like something you can take away from the movie. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, that's the, kid, the idea of the multiverse—that it's a giant ocean of splitting paths, or not even yeah. splitting paths. That just everything exists all the time at the same time. But mm-hmm. yeah. Also, um, the the kid from Road to Perdition is the cheating. Uh, husband, I guess fiance. I thought that was he was in Teen Wolf or something. He was also in Teen Wolf, but it's funny because the first credit of his that comes up is Road to Perdition. I'm like, who the fuck? Oh yeah, it was the kid. Holy shit! Road <laughs> to Perdition's a great movie. I don't know. I mean, Ryan likes it. I, or he doesn't like it. I forget. <laughs> it's Sam Mendes. Uh, it's probably his worst movie, but yeah, it's how it's good. also a great role from Wait, uh, Revolutionary uh, Road. James Do you like Bond. that more? You're right. Yeah, Road to Perdition's better than that one. Thank you, Jarhead. I think you did Jarhead. Jarhead's way better. But it, the actor, who's who's uh, James Bond? Daniel Craig? Phil Daniel Craig plays the creepy-ass villain in that. Yes. That was what why... What are we talking about now? Road to Road Perdition. Perdition. Sorry. That oh, was yeah. why Pops. when they announced him as the uh, as James Bond, I was like, that like sociopath from Road to Perdition <laughs> is going to play James Bond? <laughs> Not Layer Cake? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hadn't seen Lair Cake at that point. Okay. Anyway. Anyways. Sorry. Elise, <laughs> you okay? John, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that this movie came out when it did because I think it was a really nice like surprise and treat. So I do really like it for that. For and, me, b- uh, best film of 2020, in my opinion. I'm going to go oh, out wow. here and say it. Hot takes. It's give Invisible another, Man and Bad Boys 3, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what else is there to choose from? Well, uh, hopefully it will mean people putting Lonely Island on their radar and then they get, uh, you know, $100 million to make Popstar 2. But yeah. I don't know that's going to happen. I do, uh, I do want to say this is unconnected from Lonely Island. But Adam did say he doesn't get, he hasn't been getting recommendations where people say Netflix, it's okay. Here's a great one, Adam, and I'll stand behind this. Okay. Dark. It's a oh, German dark, yeah. science fiction drama. He's seen it. I've seen season one, yeah. Um, but there, yeah. I know season two, season two one was seasons, great. So. Season two and season three, 
are so much better. Oh. They just wrapped it up. Yeah, they just wrapped it up. Season three is the finale. It's the last one. They they tied it all up. It's wonderful. It's so right. cool and so mind bending. I'll I'll rent it as soon as we're done with this. <laughs> it's free. With my your recom- Netflix subscription. My recommendation really? it's free is as long as I give Netflix case. money. Sorry, well, that's all right. <laughs> I was just giving you another uh, recommendation. You, you're lacking your recommendations right now. You need to see yeah, the documentary no, Finders Keepers. It's about sure. a man who oh, lost God. his uh, his. He couldn't find his severed leg, and he accidentally put it in a barbecue pit that sold at a garage sale. And then the guy guy who bought it wouldn't give his leg back to him, and they had a years long legal battle. True story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, wow. I gotta watch, Go watch that. that. Where do you watch it? <laughs> I, 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 it's on the internet. You can it's okay. you can rent it for three bucks on YouTube, and I know people go, go rent a movie from YouTube. It's just give them money, however you can, please. It's just <laughs> three bucks ain't bad for a rental on a a, plat, a thing that plays on your toaster. I think yeah. it's fine. There's also a horror movie called Finders Keepers, starring Jamie. Not that Presley. one. Okay. No. Oh, Jamie Presley. Wow. Don't that, watch that. That. Was, that was early Margot Robbie. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really have to go to the bathroom. Jack and Jill. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys for dial, uh, diving into the Lonely Island verse with me. You're welcome. I hope we get many more great offerings from them in the future. And me thank too. you all for watching Filmhouse. Please subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye, th- th- bye everyone.